I'm Kate Daniels. Anytime is the right time to have information at our fingertips. And when it comes to health and issues around our health, a great resource is the newly updated Mayo Clinic Family Health Book. We can't run to the doctor with every little ache or question. So this book is a great resource in the moment, even to prepare for a doctor visit or to create your emergency kit for the car or camping trip. Dr. Scott Litton is an internist with the Mayo Clinic located in Rochester, Minnesota, and he's with us to thumb through some of the pages. Dr. Scott Litton, it is so wonderful to have you join us this morning. Thank you. Well, thanks for having me, Kate. You know, I feel really privileged and I feel am feeling this for our listeners as well because we have quite an extraordinary amount of time to visit with a physician, with a doctor, and ask lots of questions. So thank you for this wonderful gift to us. Well, my pleasure. Well, what I, we have in hand as well, because, of course, we can't have you or our own uh, physician around us all the time. And we have these questions about health and issues that are going on in our life. So, first of all, uh, the Mayo Clinic has come out with a, a new updated version of the Family Health Book. So this is a, an incredible resource, isn't it? Well, we think so. It's, it's nearly 1,400 pages, uh, and we thought it was important. It, it is our fifth edition. People might say, well, why would we need a fifth edition? Isn't everything in the other books? But our last edition was published in 2009. At the beginning of 2009, George Bush was still president. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers were just about to win a Super Bowl in thrilling fashion. So that was quite a long time ago. And in advances in medicine, uh, you know, that was a generation ago. So we felt it was important to get our very uh, talented and giving pool of world expert physicians to comb through the chapters of this book and, and get rid of information that was no longer relevant and add information that every person, patient, and family needs to know. And so uh, we've come up with this updated compendium that covers everything, all the phases of life from childhood to geriatric age and what to do with treatment of injuries, how to make sense of your symptoms, looking at every disease and disorder one could want to read about, and learning more about testing and treatment, but most importantly, how to prevent diseases, because prevention is far more important. If we can prevent a disease from occurring, it's a much better outcome than treating a disease that's occurred. Absolutely. That certainly saves a strain on all of us, first of all, of course, on our own person, but certainly on the whole system and just a challenge to uh, really go through the paces of having to care for some serious condition. So on that note, when we think of prevention, I'm presuming the bottom line is still pretty much the same, or have you found that there's some added information we need to know? Well, a lot of the information is what we have been told by our parents and those parents before them. 
uh, a lot of it is common sense. But in this day and age, there's always changing information on immunizations. What immunizations do our children need? What immunizations do we adults need to protect ourselves and prevent diseases? What do we do in this day and age? Nobody stays in a 10-mile radius of their home anymore. People are traveling all over the world. What do you need to know regarding travel medicine, regarding immunizations, medications to bring with you, things to do if you should get an illness overseas? We, we cover lots of these things in the book, but a lot of it comes down to basic common sense, avoiding tobacco products, using alcohol, if at all, in moderation, improving the amounts of fruits and vegetables we eat. We, 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 we ask our readers and our patients to have five servings of fruits and vegetables daily and replace some of those uh, empty calories, the, the sugary calories, the saturated fats, with other healthy alternatives. It doesn't mean that one has to deprive themselves, but just eat healthy portions, have what you want in small portions, more fruits and vegetables, regular exercise. Don't have to run a marathon. Don't have to get a, a super trainer. Just simply walking every day, taking a couple flights of stairs instead of the elevator, parking in the parking lot a little further away when you walk to work instead of the closest you can. All these things will add up to help us live a healthier, happier life. And I think we can sense, if we go back a, a generation or several generations to grandparents and such, where that common wisdom comes through, because of course they didn't have all these extra luxuries we have, which we embrace, but it also can be our downfall when it comes to our health. No, I, absolutely. I, uh, I remember as a boy, I actually had to get up off the chair to change channels on the television if I wanted to watch a program. Of course, there weren't as many channels and remotes back then, but just simple things that, uh, you know, our, uh, our, our parents taught us and lived through, and now in this generation of all the bots and all the apps, uh, we just don't have to be sometimes as physically active, but it's one of the best preventives we have. And as you pointed out, it doesn't have to be some grandstand scheme. We don't have to run a marathon, although if, if that's one's chosen form of exercise, then that's great. Or to join a gym, it can be some very natural things. Just get ourselves moving. And especially those of us, probably like you and I, that most of the time have desk jobs, it's very important that we do things like walking meetings you know there's no there's no reason a meeting has to take place in a small cubicle with with donuts and coffee sometimes you can walk and visit and get get processes uh, uh done as well even a standing desk can be extremely helpful many of our secretarial and administrative staff have standing desks sometimes little pedal pushers when you're sitting down so that your legs are constantly moving. All these little things add up. 
So some very basic yet profound advice for us as we approach our day. Now, we're also here at the uh, edge and midst of summer, depending on exactly where we live. And one of the things is, of course, you know, the the sunburns and bug bites and also swimming and being in the water. Um, But probably we need to address more uh, of what we're looking at in terms of being out in the sunshine. Well, absolutely. And we have an entire section on first aid and managing injuries, and again, preparing and preventing. Uh, It's so important. We often climb in our cars and drive to a vacation spot, whether it's the beach or the the woods. Uh, It's important to have some sort of a first aid kit with us, and it's something you can make at home with a tackle box and many of the things that you have already in your medicine cabinet. We, you, you, it, it's important to just have some common sense things like bandages, antibiotic ointment, sanitizers, hand sanitizers. But there's a few other things that we sometimes don't think of. A tweezers. You should have a tweezers in the first aid kit, not just for slivers, but when you're out and about. In this season, people are concerned appropriately of ticks, wood ticks, because not only Lyme disease can be carried by ticks, but a lot of other disorders. And if you can get them off early, the chance of having any tick-borne disorder is very small. So I remember when I was a boy, my uh, uh, unfortunately, my father would be a cigarette smoker, and if you got a wood tick... The thought was if you just put a hot match or the end of the cigarette on the back end of the tick, it would back out and try to get away. Well, that's been disproven. So a tweezers grabbing the head of the tick right where it has been beginning to embed into the skin and gently pulling out is the way to remove a tick. So a tweezers is very useful to have, and in fact, If you do remove a tick and you're concerned at all about possible disease or disorder, save the tick so you can show it to your healthcare professional. We have drawings, life-size and and enlarged drawings in our book of a variety of different wood ticks that do or do not carry disease. So that can be helpful. Uh, You talked about sunburn. First of all, preventing it like any other disorder, is most important. So using a high SPF type of sunscreen is so important, but occasionally we're going to get sunburn. And we talk about lotions or aloe vera cream to help with the discomfort, cold compresses, and the like. Another thing we often don't think about in the summer is heat stroke, heat stress, and heat injury syndrome. This is also predictable and preventable. We got to keep up on our fluids. So if we are going to be training or running, you talked about for those people that want to run a marathon, it's just so important to keep up on the fluids because evaporation cools our body. And if you're low on fluid, there's no ability to evaporate and cool. So all these things, bicycle helmets, to protect our most valued organ, our brain, 
uh, when we're out on the trails are absolutely a must. It could go on and on, but we have a good chapter that covers all these things. So, again, we will underscore the the value, the invaluable nature of having a copy of Mayo Clinic Family Health Book on our shelf and use it. Don't just let it decorate the coffee table or the bookshelf, but all this invaluable information that, you know, we will go back to the phrase, it's common sense and common sense tied to prevention that we can uh, really then solve a lot of issues, but prevent a lot of future pain by just following these simple steps that you're sharing with us this morning, Dr. Litton. And as as much as we try uh, with prevention, there are going to be times that we or family members do come down with symptoms and disorders. And one of the things that I'm proud of in this book that I have not seen in any other similar health books are we have a section on making sense of your symptoms. So, so many patients and, and, and people, me included, sometimes we get a symptom, uh, a, a discomfort in our chest, abdomen, back, leg, a tingling, and wonder, boy, I wonder what this is. I hope it isn't such and such. Well, we have an area not meant to replace your health professional, but to enhance your understanding of some of these symptoms. So we have a whole section in our book about making sense of your symptoms. So, for instance, anything from coughing, chest discomfort, dizziness, headache, there are multiple types of diagnoses that can be associated with any of these and we give the common concerns and symptoms so people can sort of weed out certain things and maybe wonder that it possibly could be another thing Uh, for instance shoulder pain shoulder pain can be referred pain somebody can have a gallbladder attack and the pain can be felt in their shoulder. Somebody can have pneumonia, and the pain can be felt in their shoulder. But if it is arthritis or tendonitis, it is only comes on and is exacerbated with movement of the shoulder. So if you have pain with shoulder motion, that's a musculoskeletal type of pain, and you don't have to worry it's not your gallbladder. It's not pneumonia. It's not pleurisy. And so there's various things like that that people can help hone down some of their symptoms and make sense of them. And again, the value of this is just so incredible for us because we can... uh, Again, we're not replacing, as you said, our physician, but being able to kind of focus in on what the issues could be and try some of the things that, uh, you know, if if it is just tendonitis, just, (laughs) if it is tendonitis or some arthritis in the shoulder rather than feeling that we need to rush to the doctor and, uh, you know, proceed down a whole series of, of testing. It, it helps us focus our complaint when we do see our health professional. I agree. And I'm sure our doctors do appreciate that. Don't you as a physician appreciate that? 
Oh, yeah. In, in this day and age of, unfortunately, uh, shorter and shorter appointments. And we have a section on this uh, about how to, how to prepare for your appointments, making a list of the symptoms so that you don't come in with uh, a number of sort of vague, ill-prepared questions. Uh, it's really important to be as clear as you can about your concern, uh, maybe do a little homework through the Mayo Family Health book, and then have a list of questions that you want to get answered uh, so that you don't leave unfulfilled. What great advice that is as well, because if we have that prepared, I think what you're telling us, if we have these lists of symptoms and questions, then we can stay focused on the topic rather than trying to think back in time as to what was it that really happened, right? Right. And then, you know, and then the time is up for the appointment and somebody, oh, by the way, I forgot to tell you about my chest pain. And that often doesn't go well. One of the things that this symptom issue can help with, though, oftentimes people will come into the office and they'll have really a vague type of complaint that I almost wonder, gee, why did they decide to come here at this time? And I've made it a point when, when the complaint doesn't seem as serious to me as it does to the patient, I always pause and just put myself in their shoes and ask, what are you concerned about? You're no different than me or the rest of the world. You get some of these symptoms and sometimes you wonder, sometimes you worry, sometimes you hope it's not. Finish that sentence. What are you concerned about? And maybe they had a little tingling in their hand at night that they can shake off and well, I'm, I'm worried I'm having a stroke. And I can explain to them, absolutely not. This is not the symptom of a stroke. This is a pinched nerve in your wrist. We call it carpal tunnel syndrome. It happens from time to time. No wor- But if you don't share with them it's not a stroke, they will not leave reassured. And part of what we can do with making sense of your symptoms in the health book is help people look through these and and reassure some of their worries that absolutely the concern that they have does not fit into a pattern of what they're worried about. Uh, again, not meant to replace an examination, but oftentimes can help focus. Such great uh, direction and advice and recommendations for us. So we cannot really underestimate the value of this wonderful book. As you said, 1,400 pages, that's a lot, but we don't need all of it. it it's a reference tool at our disposal that's going to you know, give us the opportunity to investigate. That's the Mayo Clinic Family Health Book, and of course, it's one that, uh, a book we can pick up at any of our favorite book sources, right, Dr. Litton? Yeah, it's, it should be available in all the common bookstores, all the common department stores, Walmart, Target, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, uh, online. Uh, we also even have a Mayo Clinic marketplace that people can certainly get this book and other Mayo Clinic health information as well. So cycling back to uh, 
looking at just kind of the common sense things that we do, eating our fruits and vegetables. And you mentioned fluids. Fluids, of course, you know, we need to keep hydrated in the heat, but just in general, we need hydration. And sometimes there's this dispute about how much water, because it should be water. Uh, coffee doesn't count, right? Tea doesn't count. It. Yeah. We should drink Caffeine, water. You know, the uh, caffeine is actually a diuretic. So a lot of people will think that, well, you know, I have I have plenty of coffee during the day. I don't need any additional fluid. But it's almost like taking a water pill or blood pressure pill, as many of us can attest to by trips to the restroom after numerous cups of coffee. So coffee, you're right, doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't take care of the need. That probably water is uh, underutilized and, and very useful. But there are certain patients that probably can take too much water. So if you're out in the heat, if you're a kidney stone sufferer, we say you should drink enough fluid to make plenty of urine during the day. Because if you're out in the heat and you're not going to the bathroom very often, you're probably dehydrated. But also some of our geriatric patients, some of our older patients who are on blood pressure medicine and diuretics, water pills, uh, if they drink too much water, they can actually uh, eliminate in their urine a lot of sodium and replace it with water and actually get what we call hypotonic, where the, the, the serum in their bodies is dilute, doesn't have enough sodium in, and that can lead to problems. That can lead to sometimes water uh, intoxication, uh, confusion in the brain, and the like. So in general, unless you're a kidney stone sufferer, unless you're out in the heat, uh, keeping up on your fluids, drinking to thirst. You know, the other issue is we tell our, our, our folks that have trouble with frequent urination at night just to drink fluid up until the evening meal and only take, if they have medications, with sips of water at night because when we lie flat, fluid and blood goes through our kidneys much more rapidly and then this will lead to more urine being made and more frequent trips to the bathroom and interference with our sleep. So while fluid is important for most of the time, there are certain suggestions <laughs> Uh, and we we have these in our book when when not to drink too much fluid. And boy, that's a great eye opener. In general, though, during the course of the day, when we can access the bathroom fairly easily, um, sometimes we've heard it say eat drink eight glasses of water, eight eight ounces. Some people say it should be half your body weight. What is best for us? Well, most most of the time, just Keeping up, making a, uh, I, I don't tell my patients that they need to drink eight full glasses of water a day. As I said, many of my patients as a general internist are older, and this can get them into trouble. But I think, again, one uses common sense. If you're an outdoor worker or if you spend a lot of time in the garden, you're going to be perspiring more, 
and you're going to be using up your water, and you've got to keep on top of it. But in a sedentary job, I, I, you know, I, I think drinking the thirst and drinking ample amount of water, but I don't, I don't peg it anymore. Everybody must have eight glasses. I, I've heard that in the past, but I don't know that there's uh, literature and studies that back that's absolutely necessary. I like the fact that we come back to common sense. And, and Common sense. Right. We come back to, you know, just analyzing what our, our conditions are. So that's really so great. And well, well, we're all made up differently. In fact, we have a section because the wave of the future now is genetics and genomics, the way each of us are individuals. And we're made up in a variety. We may look all alike, but, but our genetic patterns are all a bit different. And we, we try to make sense of this because this can be a very confusing topic, not only to lay people, but to medical people as well. So we have a whole section in our book about genetics. This has been thoroughly updated from the last edition of our book. And it explains in easy to understand terms how we're made up genetically and how certain diseases will correlate with certain genetic makeup, and certain treatments will work better in one person's genetic makeup and not work at all in another person's. So the individualization of medicine, you hear that term a lot, individualized medicine, but we're scratching the surface today, but in the future this will be very, very important, and I think... uh, 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 when we get things mapped out a little bit more clearly, many of us will have, when we visit the physician for the first time uh, in the not-too-distant future, our genetic makeup will be part of our medical record. Isn't it just fascinating? As a physician, are you, uh, do you sometimes just sit in awe of all the changes that are going on? Oh my goodness, uh, and and I'm sure I, I'm sure the physicians before me, if they could be here today, would be in disbelief of how far we've come and and what can be done. I mean, putting heart valves into somebody's heart uh, by pushing them through the artery in the leg, as opposed to an entire open heart surgery would never have been thought of in the past. Just replacing and repairing, removing a colon cancer through three tiny little poke holes in the abdomen while using laparoscopic instruments and looking at things on a screen, people would shake their heads in the future. Telemedicine, having a dermatologist in Seattle looking at a patient on an Indian reservation in Montana and diagnosing their skin disorder. Uh, Things are changing so rapidly, that's why we thought we had to update the Mayo Family Health Book. And we are really the, the grateful. We need to be the grateful recipients of something so wondrous. And 
added to that the time that we've been able to share with you this morning, Dr. Litton. It's just been incredible. It's been eye-opening. And I think you help us to get on the right path to really be healthy and stay healthy, uh, whatever age we're at, but certainly it'll take us well into the future. And I'll just end with saying, unfortunately, we can't always, as, as best as we try, stay healthy or family members or friends will come out down with diseases and disorders. And we have a immense section talking about and explaining all the types of diseases that anyone would hear about or experience, along with tests, treatments, and a whole section about different medications that people can learn about and be better prepared to deal with issues as they arise. So a completely comprehensive, to this date anyway, in 2018, yes. right, volume that uh, we need to have in our home and make great use of. So, Dr. Litton, it's been such an honor to have you with us this morning. Thank you so greatly, and I believe we're all feeling inspired. All right. Well, thanks so much, Kate. You're welcome.